Dear Heavenly Father, thank you that you are a God of such grace and kindness and generosity and love. Thank you, Father, that this morning the gifts and tithes that have been received will be donated to those who serve your mission in the world, particularly to Presaid and the work that they are undertaking, and also to Compassion Ministries, uh, which connects uh, children and families to churches that can provide care and also the message of salvation in the person of Christ. Lord, please bless those ministries and bless each one of us here today with the generosity that flows from your throne and uh, pours out into our lives. We give thanks and praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Now I'm going to ask if uh, Aaron can bring the first reading and I will bring the second. There are two today. Thank you, Aaron. Merry Christmas. So the first reading is Psalm 98. And Psalm 98, small print is page 426, large print 935. Psalm 98. Sing to the Lord a new song. For he has done marvellous things. His right hand and his holy arm have worked salvation for him. The Lord has made his salvation known and revealed his righteousness to the nations. He has remembered his love and his faithfulness to the house of Israel. All the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God. Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Burst into jubilant song with music. Make music to the Lord with the harp, with the harp and the sound of singing, with trumpets and the blast of the ram's horn. Shout for joy before the Lord, the King. Let the sea resound and everything in it the world and all who live in it. Let the rivers clap their hands. Let the mountains sing together for joy. Let them sing before the Lord, for he comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples with equity. And we continue with our second reading uh, from the Gospel of Luke, uh, chapter 1, verse 46 to 56. And Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Saviour, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on all generations will call me blessed, for the Mighty One has done great things for me, Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. 
He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, even as he said to our fathers. Mary stayed with Elizabeth for about three months and then returned home. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for this wonderful opportunity to open passages that speak of your work in the world, your promises that you keep. Lord, may each one of us this morning, as we come to you, receive a blessing and a word of truth to encourage us in our lives and in this world. Please speak to us this day from your word, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Born in Bethlehem, raised in Nazareth, crucified at Jerusalem, yet victorious over the grave. He now lives forever as Lord. What is Christmas really about? Well, I guess you're here this morning for that very reason that you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ as King and Saviour and God. You and I know that for many people, Christmas can be just a holiday. It's about spending time with family and friends, perhaps sleeping in. I was uh, uh, talking to Kimball this morning and he said he's never seen Parramatta Road quieter uh, as this morning coming to church. And for many people, that's true, isn't it? They'll be sleeping in and then later on, they'll be spending time with family and friends. And for many, Christmas is about food and decorations and presents under the tree, and that's great, and we enjoy that too. But we know, don't we, that Christmas is about so much more than that, because Christmas is about the birth of a king, and not just any king. Jesus is the eternal word of God who came into the world, born as a man, born in the flesh, who humbled himself for us and became obedient to death even death on a cross, which relates to this morning's kids' talk. His righteousness is exchanged for our sin. And during his lifetime, Jesus preached the coming of God's kingdom, and people were amazed at his teaching. So great was his power and authority that even the wind and the waves obeyed him. Demons, death, disease had no hold over him. This Jesus is the Messiah, He is the Christ of whom the scriptures speak. He is son of God and son of man, and Christmas wouldn't be Christmas without him. So what do you believe about Christmas? Speaking for myself, I believe that Jesus' birth is one of the most important fulfillments of God's promises to mankind. Jesus is the consolation of Israel, to use Old Testament language. He is the saviour of his people. He is the king of kings and lord of lords. He is our creator and our redeemer. He is also our judge, but in Christ he is our friend. He is God with us. And that's why we sing carols and salvation songs today. For example, if we look at Psalm 98, as we're about to do, Psalm 98 is a salvation song from the Old Testament that looks forward to Christmas Day. And we're going to see how that is. In its original context, this psalm is about God's covenant love for his people Israel. But something else is going on here, something wonderful and something big. So if we look at verse 1, 
it says, Sing to the Lord a new song, for he has done marvellous things. His right hand and his holy arm have worked salvation for him. Something big is going on here in this psalm, and we're going to find out what it is. A day is coming, and it's foretold again in this psalm, a day when all the ends of the earth will see the salvation of our God. And so if we look at verse 2, it says this, The Lord has made his salvation known and revealed his righteousness to the nations. He has remembered his love and faithfulness to the house of Israel. All the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God. Notice this is spoken in the past tense. It's a prophecy looking forward with the certainty of what will occur. All the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God. This is a prophecy about Christmas. 300 years ago, a man named Isaac Watts wrote a hymn, which you may know, a hymn based on the words of this psalm, of Psalm 98. We'll actually be singing it to close the service today. It's called Joy to the World. Joy to the World. And it's one of the really great salvation songs of the Christian faith. Isaac Watts read this psalm, Psalm 98, and his thoughts turned to the birth of Christ our Saviour. Because Jesus, if you like, is God's right-hand man in verse 1. He is God's holy arm stretched out to claim back to God those who have turned away from him, to come in the flesh to rescue us from our sins, to be our righteousness, that he might be nailed to the cross for you and for me for our salvation. If you ever get the chance, you should read the story of Isaac Watts' life. By the age of four, he was learning Latin. By the age of 17, he was offered a scholarship at Oxford or Cambridge. He could have studied for free, but he turned it down on the grounds of Christian conscience. By the age of 20, he had earned his degree in theology. And by the age of 24, he was ordained and serving in his first parish. So he was getting along, wasn't he? Uh, he, didn't, he, he was a very gifted person. On top of that, though, he caused a revolution in the world of church music by reshaping the gospel into words that ordinary people could understand and sing along to. One historian puts it this way. He said, Watts saw with the clear intuition of a genius what needed to be done, and he alone did it. All later hymn writers, even when they excel him, are his debtors. So Isaac Watts is the man behind the song, Joy to the World, which is an expression of the truths set out for us in Psalm 98. And today, each one of my four points is going to be shaped by the words of Isaac Watts's interpretation of Psalm 98, beginning with my first point, the first line of the song, Joy to the world, the Lord is come. Joy to the world, the Lord is come. Jesus is our King and Saviour who has come to us in the flesh. Jesus' name means the Lord is salvation, or more simply, God saves. That's what Jesus means. Yahweh, the Lord, is salvation, or God saves. So whenever you see the word salvation in our passage today, you could replace it with the name Jesus, God saves, salvation, because Jesus literally means God saves. So in verse 2, the Lord has made 
his righteousness, the Lord has made Jesus known and revealed his righteousness to the nations, his salvation known. When the gospel lays hold of your heart like this and you start to see the connections between the promises of God in the Old Testament and the person of Jesus come into the world, it really does make your soul sing. And so we're invited, aren't we, to sing to the Lord a new song. Sing the very best song that you have. Sing with joy. Sing with praise. Let Christ's love be your song because God's salvation has come into the world on Christmas Day. This is the joy that we have as God's people today, the joy of Christmas. Once you were separated from God's people, once you had no hope or inheritance with the saints of Israel, once you were called an alien and a stranger to the covenant promises of God, you were counted as an enemy of the cross of Christ. But now, through Christ, you have been brought near through the blood of Jesus, through the peace that he won for you by his death on the cross. God's salvation has come to us in the flesh actually come to us in person. That's the meaning of Christmas. And this promise is fulfilled now, the promise we see in verse 3. He has remembered his love and his faithfulness to the house of Israel. All the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God. And so now we sing with hearts and minds and voices, as we will this morning, joy to the world, the Lord is come, let earth receive her king. Let every heart prepare him room and heaven and nature sing. In fact, singing, I think, is one of the great application points of today's passage. Have you thought about that? Sometimes uh, people don't like to sing publicly, but I think we're being invited to do that in our passage today. When you go home after church this morning, why not put on some Christian music intentionally? Put on some Christian music in the background or indeed to sing to as a family. The book of Revelation is also a book of songs and it introduces us, for example, to the song of Moses, the servant of God, and the song of the Lamb, which goes like this from Revelation chapter 15. It says, Great and marvellous are your deeds, Lord God Almighty. Just and true are your ways, King of the ages. Who will not fear you, O Lord, and bring glory to your name? For you alone are holy. All nations will come and worship before you, for your righteous acts have been revealed. Can you see the interconnections between the song of Moses, the servant of God, the song of the Lamb in the book of Revelation, and the same message here in Psalm 98? If you go back to Psalm 98, verse 2, you'll see, the Lord has made his salvation known and revealed his righteousness to the nations. It's the same message of the same gospel. And that is why we sing praises to God at Christmas. Joy to the world. My second point, though, is joy to the earth. The Saviour reigns. So come down to verse 4. Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Burst into jubilant song with music. Make music to the Lord with the harp, with the harp and the sound of singing, with trumpets and the blast of the ram's horn. Shout before the Lord, the King. 
The old King James Version of the Bible puts it this way. In in verse 4, it says, make a joyful noise to the Lord. You heard that before? Make a joyful noise to the Lord. That's where it comes from, Psalm 98, verse 4. In other words, I think it's saying, don't hold back. Don't be reserved on such a joyful day. I don't think you even have to be a good singer. But please, join in. I think that's the point. Participation, fellowship, unity, the the choir of the joyful hearts. Not the professional hearts, but the joyous, praising hearts. the, The hearts that know and love what God has done. We're being invited to join in and with the help of a music team with the music of the harp, the thrill of the trumpet and the deafening blast of the ram's horn. And even creation itself is invited here to join in the celebrations because salvation, our salvation, is also good news for the natural world as well because the world is under a curse because of our sin and rebellion against God. And so here we see the animals and the plants, the rocks, the trees, the rivers, the sky are all included in this wonderful work of redemption that God is undertaking. So in verse 7, do you see? Let the sea resound and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. Let the rivers clap their hands. Let the mountains sing together for joy. Let them sing before the Lord, for he comes to judge the earth. I don't doubt there may be some level of poetic license going on here, but you get the picture, don't you? A picture of such over, overbounding joy that even nature itself is kind of jiving along to the singing of God's people, to the praise of our King. And, and God's grace then begins to flow into every part of the created universe. And so well may we sing. You see how Isaac Watts has brought this together so beautifully in the second verse of his song. Joy to the earth, the Saviour reigns, let men their songs employ, while field and floods, rocks, hills and plains, repeat the sounding joy. That's a wonderful praising of the, of the saving work of our God. So my second point today is that all creation will be involved in the joy of Christmas when Christ returns and we see him face to face. Such is the scope of God's plan of salvation. Joy to the earth, the saviour reigns. So that's two points down and two to go. My third point concerns now though a warning for sinners to repent of their sins while they still can because the third verse in the psalm, picks up the idea here, no more let sins and sorrows grow. There has to be a stop to sin and sorrow in the world. There is so much we see in the world that is concerning. You know it, you see it. The world is a very uncertain place at the moment and we are part of the problem. Perhaps it's our own behaviour and our own relationships at work or at home or wherever it is, sins that the Lord wants us to deal with. So first comes the invitation to faith, that was in verses 1 to 3, then the celebration of the Saviour's birth, and now the third part of the Christmas message is a warning of God's coming judgment, for this too is part of the Christmas message, because the Lord is judge, and verse 9 is clear that we need to be prepared for his righteous judgment. This is a vindication of God's righteousness. Verse 9. Let them sing before the Lord, for he comes to judge the earth. 
He will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples with equity. I think the important thing here is to recognise that God takes sin seriously. And this too is part of the Christmas message. In fact, this is why Jesus was born. Because God takes sin seriously, we need someone who can take our sin seriously. We need a saviour who can take our sin seriously. Jesus was born to destroy Satan's power and to hold all sin accountable. Today, creation groans as it awaits the day when the curse is lifted and all things are made new again. Today, there is injustice in the world. Today, there is pain and suffering caused by sin. But this will not go on forever because Jesus has come into the world. Because of Christmas, we can be sure that there will be an end to the suffering and pain in our lives and in our world. Isn't it good that our God takes sin seriously. As Isaac Watts puts it in his, in his uh, Christmas carol, No more let sins and sorrows grow, nor thorns infest the ground. He comes to make his blessings flow far as the curse is found. Wherever that curse of sin goes, Jesus will also be there to take the judgment and to bring the promise of forgiveness and peace with God. So then Jesus comes to put an end to sin once and for all and no one will be able to stand before him on that day and say, you haven't given me a fair hearing, you haven't judged me rightly, you haven't given me a chance. No, he will judge each one of us in his righteousness and we will not have an excuse before him. We will simply say, Lord, you are right, please forgive me. If we haven't said that to him today, then that's what we need to do. In fact, maybe this is something you really need to think about this morning. Before you open your Christmas gifts that are under the tree, remember what that greatest gift of all is, the gift that God wants to give to you, though you are a sinner, yet because he loves you, he sent his son Jesus as the greatest gift of all to be the one who takes your sin and gives you his righteousness. That's the gift that you and I need. Have you received Jesus as your Lord and Saviour? This is really important on Christmas Day. Have you come to Jesus and said sorry to him? Have you given your life into his hands? Have you confessed your sins and sought the forgiveness of those you've wounded? Have you made that new start that repentance requires? If not, then maybe today is the day to do exactly that. Because when Jesus returns, we'll all be found guilty in God's sight, and rightly so. But then the question is not, am I guilty? The question is, am I forgiven? There is no good people in heaven, but there are many forgiven people in heaven. We are clothed in the righteousness of the one who is good. We don't get to heaven by being good. We get to heaven by being forgiven. And out of that forgiveness, to turn our lives around and begin living a God-pleasing life. So that's the question we need to ask ourselves, isn't it? Because that's what Christmas too is all about. 
It's about the invitation to receive Jesus as Lord. It's about the celebration of his victory. It's about the vindication of his lordship because there's no other name given to men by which we must be saved, only Jesus. And so again I ask, is Jesus your saviour this Christmas day? Are you hungry for his love? Are you thirsty for his grace? Then come to Jesus and accept his gift. Jesus stands ready to receive you now if you are willing to receive him as your Lord and Saviour, to turn your life around and to follow him. As the hymn says, no more let sins and sorrows grow. Enough of that, nor thorns infest the ground. He comes to make his blessings flow far as the curse is found. There's nothing that you have done in your life that Christ's righteousness cannot overcome. He can forgive anything and everything that you have done because he takes the penalty in his love for you. There is no greater love, there is no greater gift than this gift of the birth of our Saviour Jesus. So let's come now to Luke chapter 1, to Mary's song, my final point today. He rules the world with truth and grace. This is about the triumph of Christmas. Mary's song is actually, again, very similar in content to Psalm 98, but this time it's being sung by this young woman, this soon-to-be mother, Mary, for the joy of having been chosen by God to be the mother of her Lord. So this is the scene. I mean, Mary is pregnant, she needs someone who can understand what it means to have a virgin birth and how many people in the world would understand that complicated situation, I wonder. But Elizabeth, her cousin, would because Elizabeth had also fallen pregnant. She was with child with John the Baptist under, again, miraculous circumstances. And so God brings these two pregnant mums together, the aged Elizabeth the wife of Zechariah, and her younger cousin, Mary, and they become sisters in arms. So I want to pick up the story from just before our reading, from Luke chapter 1, verse 41. This is the scene. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, because Mary had gone to visit Elizabeth, the baby, that's Elizabeth's baby, leapt within her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favoured that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leapt for joy. Blessed is she who has believed what the Lord has said to her will be accomplished. And then Mary said, my soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Saviour, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. And here again, some versions of the Bible use the word magnify. My soul doth magnify the Lord. And you know what a magnifying glass does, right? It increases the size of what you're looking at. And Mary's joy is magnified because her soul just can't hold back the joy she feels. It's too good, too wonderful to be silent about. Magnify the Lord, you who love his name. Enlarge upon his mighty deeds. Spell out the wonders of his love. Share what Christ has done for you personally. Make known among the nations the splendor of his holiness, the glory of his kingdom 
the power of his love. When, when you go from just reading about the story of Christmas to meeting the Jesus who is the Christ, that's the life-changing moment, isn't it? That's when the scriptures come alive and the promises of God transform and turn us into new creations. God claims us as his people, adopts us into his family and gives us a new future. And that is part of the Christmas story. Mary understands that. She now isn't worried about whether she's going to be rich or poor, whether she's fat or thin or what clothes to wear now that she's pregnant. Her concern is to praise her God, whom she calls, in verse 47, she calls him my saviour. My saviour. Is Jesus your saviour? Is the Lord my God? She says, my soul glorifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my saviour, because the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. I think that should be part of each one of our stories. The mighty one has done great things for me. What great things has the mighty one done for you? How has he changed your life? How has he brought hope where there was despair, forgiveness where there was animosity? How has the mighty one been working in your life? Notice also that Mary's joy as she praises God is never grounded in her own status as a mother. She might have been saying, look at me. I've just been picked by God to be the bearer of a son who is going to be the Holy One, the Christ. She could have been going around uh, being proud of her position. But on the contrary, she remains very humble. In verse 47, she says, my spirit rejoices in God, my saviour. Her focus is Godward. And in fact, I think she is also understanding something about who this child within her is going to be. My spirit rejoices in my child, my king, in God my saviour. My spirit rejoices in him. You know, Mary is not sinless. She needed a saviour too. Otherwise, she wouldn't call him my saviour. Mary needed forgiveness. She wasn't sinless. She needed a saviour too. So the proud are cast down. And the humble are lifted up, and the arrogant are sent away empty-handed, but those who fear the Lord receive his mercy. All of this is great news for those who believe in the promises of God. So Mary ends her salvation song with these uplifting words in verse 54. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, even as he said to our fathers. She sees the big picture of what God has done and how she has been drawn into a bigger story that means salvation and hope for all God's people and a message of peace and comfort for all who will come to Christ. So then, salvation songs we've been looking at today. Salvation songs help us to recall the facts of history upon which our faith is built. 
Salvation songs celebrate the victories of God, and that's good to do in a world where sometimes we feel like there's not much to celebrate. Well, here is something worthy of celebration. Salvation songs recall the faithfulness of God's covenant love over many years and over many generations, and they declare the mercy and grace of God our Saviour. They also enable us to share in that joyful experience of joining together in our praises and expressing our love and our delight in our God. And so again this morning, I want to invite you to get excited about Christmas. It's wonderful you're here today. It is such an encouragement to see how the church is filled. But I want you to consider as you go home this morning, what has God done for you that you can give thanks and praise for this day? How can you lift up your heart in thankfulness and praise to join in the songs that celebrate what Christ has accomplished? There are so many reasons why we can get discouraged in life, but it doesn't have to be so. As Christians, we ought to be people of joy, people who live a victorious life, not to be proud, but to be walking with the Lord and knowing what he has done for us. So then, cast off your cynicism Refresh your soul, sing a new song to the Lord this Christmas day. Download some Christian music, if you will. Put on a CD if you're old-fashioned like me. Enjoy family time together where you don't just eat food and slump in front of the telly. Reconnect with God and with one another so that as you open your presence and as you enjoy the festivities of Christmas day, you can genuinely rejoice in what Christ has done for you. What is Christmas about? Let me give it to you straight. Christmas is about God's love for you. It's about the glories of his righteousness. It's about the wonders of his grace. But more than that, Christmas is about the birth of a king, and not just any king. It's about the birth of Jesus, who is Lord and Saviour of mankind. So then, Christmas is, I think, four things that we can think about today, four things. An invitation to faith, which I have offered to you this morning. A celebration of the Saviour's birth, which we will sing. A vindication of God's righteousness, that we should be gathered here today as his people. And it's a triumph of the wonders of his grace. Isaac Watts puts it this way in the final verse of his hymn. He rules the world with truth and grace and makes the nations prove the glories of his righteousness and wonders of his grace. Let's now stand and sing this wonderful hymn in light of what we've learnt from God's word today. Thank you, music team.